Well, the date was July 8th, 2023. And the man's name was Alessandro Pantoyo. You can see a picture of him on the screen. This is a man who had worked for decades to get to the position that he was in. A man who had given his entire life to the sport of mixed martial arts. There on this night on July 8th, his whole career in life came to this pinnacle moment. Alexander stepped into the ring there for the UFC championship fight. For 25 minutes, he gave his blood, his sweat, and his tears to this fight. And there, standing in the center of the ring as they begin to read the scorecard, they raised Alexandra's hand. He was the champion of the world. 22 years of blood, sweat, and tears. Joe Rogan runs into the ring and he asks him, he says, Alexandra, what, tell us, what, what does this mean to you? What does this, comp, this accomplishment mean? What motivated you to work this hard for this long? With tears streaming down his face and an exhausted body nearly broken, he looks into the camera and he says, now, Dad, now, are you proud of me? Dad, are you proud of me? Joe Rogan, taken aback, he, he steps back for a moment, he asks him again, he goes, what do you mean by that? Uh, Dad, are you proud of me? He begins to tell the story, he says, you know, I'm a father, I love my kids, I love that I get to invest in them, but as a kid, it wasn't this way for me. My dad left me, and I still loved him. And if I'm honest, what motivated me all these years, deep down, I just wanted to know that my dad loved me. And so there, at the pinnacle moment of his career, he looks right into the camera and he asks the question, Dad, are you proud of me? I wonder how many here tonight, if you're really, really honest, you're asking the same thing. Dad, are you proud of me? Deep down inside each and every one of us is a desire to be fully known and truly loved by God. He has designed you and me for this sort of relationship. And I wonder tonight as you walk into this room with the busyness and the chaos, the craziness of the week, maybe the anticipation for what God's going to do this coming weekend, I wonder if you might pause for a moment and say, God, I know that you wanna do something through me, but maybe, just maybe tonight, you wanna be with me. Tonight, we're gonna talk about a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and that is how to foster, how to grow intimacy with God. I wanna read just a couple stats for you about prayer, because often we think, especially in this culture, this day and age, that prayer is kind of a forgotten thing, because if we're honest, the church in the West is, is slowly dying, and so we see statistics over and over again that people that are in church, and by the way, if you're here in church tonight, you literally are a statistical anomaly that you are here sitting in church. But these are some of the stats that I read from a Pew, uh, excuse me, a Gallup poll in 2022. It said more people will pray this week than will exercise, drive a car, have sex, or go to work combined. More people will pray. Eight out of 10 Americans pray regularly. Three out of four pray every day. And of the 25% that check non-religious on the same study, it said that despite checking non-religious, that they pray weekly. Pray to a God that they don't believe in. So if the universal language is prayer, then 
My question for us tonight is, how then do we develop a closeness with God? Because if I'm honest, man, there's so many times in my life where I just feel dry. It feels empty. And so what I want to do tonight is this, is I want to give us just some things to think about. And so if you have your notes or your journal, I'd encourage you to get it out. I'd encourage you to write some of these down. But the first thing I want to talk about is this, is that Jesus actually tells us what it looks like. What does it look like to pray? Uh, If you've got your Bible, Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13, it's the Lord's Prayer. And for many of us, those words might seem a bit stale. But I want to give you the context to them. The disciples, they had been walking with Jesus for many years, and Jesus had said, hey, come and follow me. I want you to, to walk with me as I go and I do life and I do ministry. And we know that Jesus, I mean, in the truest sense of the word, he was a literal star. He was a, a rock star of his day. He showed up to a town, the whole place shut down. He shows up and thousands of people gather around him. And the disciples, his followers, they, could have, they, they saw what was going on and they could have asked him literally anything. But instead, they ask a very pivotal question. Because if I'm a follower of Jesus, there are some things that I might want to ask. Like, Jesus, teach me how to heal. Or Jesus, you are such a great communicator. Teach me how to to preach. Or Jesus, you love so well. Teach me how to love. But instead, what his disciples ask is a question that I think for many of us in today's day and age, we've often forgot. They ask the question, Jesus, teach us to pray. Why in the world would those closest to Jesus choose to ask this question? Teach us to pray. Maybe it was because Jesus was so radically different than everyone else around him. Maybe Jesus was so different than all the other teachers of the law and the Pharisees that when the followers of Jesus looked at him, they said, there's something so different I've got to know. I don't know if you've ever met with a mentor or someone that's just a few stages beyond where you are. You come in with your your notebook and your pen and paper and you ask important questions. This is what the disciples are doing. And I want you to see how Jesus responds. He responds with something that today, maybe if you're on a football team, you said it as a mantra. Maybe it's just almost like a, a rabbit's foot, a good luck charm before the game. But Jesus means it very, very differently. Read it with me. Verse number nine. He says, pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus frames this prayer And I want you to see the very first thing that he says. What what is the very first thing that Jesus highlights in the Lord's Prayer? He says, our Father. This would have been radically different than everything else these Jewish boys would have known. Up until this point in time, as a good Jewish person, they would have known that God is holy and God is just, that if you didn't keep the law, things would happen. But to relate to Yahweh as dad... That's shocking. And Jesus says, if you want to know how to pray like me, you need to understand the relationship that I have. J.I. Packer, he says this. He says, if you want to judge how well a person understands Christianity, find out how much he makes of the thought of being God's child and having God as his father. 
everything is summed up in the knowledge of the fatherhood of God the Father. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down, that your view of God will determine your intimacy with God. Your view of God is going to determine how close the relationship is that you have with him. For many of us, our relationship with God has been flawed and marred by an earthly father. For others, we don't have a great relationship with God because we just don't take time. And I want to give you just three short barriers that I think for many of us, we find ourselves having when it comes to intimacy with God. The first one is this, is that prayer can often seem like it's going paleo. Many prayers are like a health kick or a personal training routine. Prayer is something that I do that I don't like, and when I do it, I get the result that I do like. Have you ever felt that about prayer? How many here, you've got the long checklist, the long prayer list, like it just never stops, right? It's like that bad receipt at Walmart, it just keeps rolling out. You're like, oh man, I gotta labor through this today. For many people, the barrier to intimacy with God, that's what it feels like. God, I have my checklist. Prayer so often is, is like going paleo. It's like I want to have, you know, a Snickers bar, but instead I'm going to have a piece of celery because, you know what, I know it's good for me. So often we think that prayer is something that's sacrificial, but ultimately isn't fulfilling to our souls. Like prayer is just something I've got to get through to get to the good stuff. I know that we bookend our services on prayer. We, we kind of, if you show up to church, it's sort of how we start and end things. It's just something that you do when you're in church. But I'm here tonight to tell you that one of the biggest barriers to your intimacy with God is this idea that prayer is something that's sacrificial and not truly beneficial to the soul. The second one is this, the barrier is that prayer is monochromatic. It's like painting with the same color. For many of you, you've grown up in a faith tradition and you have a way that you pray. Uh, for a lot of you, it's, it's the prayer request. We just talked about it. You've got your long list of things that you're asking God for. I want you to imagine for a moment that you are going on a date with someone, and you've got that significant other across the table, and instead of getting to know one another, you just begin to ask them to do things for you. Hey, I, my car really needs to get clean. Is there any way you could help with that? Hey, I know, I know, I know that my room is a little bit messed up, but is there any way you could come over and just clean up? You know, what's funny is that after being married now for nearly a decade and a half, many of my conversations with my wife end up going this way. It's the roommate. It's the roommate conversation. It's the same thing over and over. Many times our prayer life looks like this. It's the same thing over and over and over again. For some of you, your faith tradition looks a little bit different. Maybe you come from a Catholic background. And you read the, the, the liturgy, right? A big term essentially meaning the prayers that uh, the, the apostles and the saints have written in the Bible. You sort of read off the prayer. Many of you may have even read off the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. You're just saying these words, not really understanding what it means. And so our prayer life becomes stale and stagnant. Just the other day, I went to... Um, I went to a restaurant with my kids, and uh, we love to go to Mexican restaurants. And so I was asking them, I said, hey guys, w what do you want to eat? Like, you can have anything on the menu, what do you want to eat? And literally every single time I take them there, they say the exact same thing. They go, cheese quesadilla, come on dad. Need a cheese quesadilla. I'm like, guys, that's awesome, like, cheese quesadillas are good, but have you ever tried a fajita? 
Have you ever tried barbacoa tacos? Or maybe it's, you know, some huevos ranchero. Like, come on, somebody, right? Like, I'm showing myself right now. Like, there is so much better out there, y'all, than a cheese quesadilla. But you know what they know? A cheese quesadilla. Nothing wrong with a cheese quesadilla, Dad. I like the cheese quesadilla. But the problem is, is that if they don't mature, if their taste buds don't mature, they're going to stick to the cheese quesadilla. There is so much better out there than the cheese quesadilla. There's so much better for you out there in your relationship with God than the same thing over and over. Prayer so often can be this monochromatic way of looking at things, painting with the same color. For a lot of us, we think that, you know what, this is fine, God. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing here. And somehow we get into God's good graces by doing this. When God has this incredible palette out there for us, this beautiful array, these beautiful colors that he wants us to experience all of who he is. So can I just encourage you tonight that if you find yourself in a spot of dryness or a rut with God, that you would consider changing up the way in which you pray, the way in which you relate to God. Maybe it's just starting a new prayer practice. Try something new. One of the ways that I've, I've done this recently is I've taken up uh, silence. And it, it's weird. Like, I can see you judging me right now with your eyes, right? Like, silence. Like, that's so weird. But I was like, you know what? This seems to be a pattern in the early church where they have this thing called contemplative silence. And they pray and they say, God, I'm going to entrust myself to you. And you don't even have, you don't have to speak, but just see this as a sacrifice to you. God, I'm going to give you this time and I'm going to meditate on who you are. And I remain silent. I steady my mind. And what's funny is this, is that when it's like taking that first bite of something new. At first you're like, I'm not sure if I really like this. But over time you grow an affinity for that very thing. Can I tell you that over the last several years God has spoken to me. And we've had some incredible moments of intimacy just through this one thing of contemplative silence. For others of you, maybe it's you just need to take up going on a prayer walk. You need to walk around, throw in some headphones, throw on some music, and just start to walk. Many times I find myself, when I get into a rut, I just need to go. I love to be active. I love to work out. I love to go for runs. And so oftentimes for me, if I want that time with God, I'm going to go out for a walk or a light jog, and I'm just going to talk. It's like I'm walking with my best friend next to me. For some of you, the barrier to intimacy is prayer that's monochromatic. The last barrier that I th was thinking about was this, was that prayer is often put on. We often pray to God and tell him things that we think that he wants to hear. Have you ever come to God in that way? Like you present your avatar to God? Like God, this is the best version of who I am. You ever done that? Like Eugene Peterson, he says in one of his books, he says, what we have to learn when it comes to prayer is that we have to learn how to cuss without cussing. We have to share the realness of who we are as people. Like, there's many of you out here right now, and you're battling hard things in life. You're battling hard decisions, that there's stress in your life, that there's frustrations. And what God is saying is, I, not only do I know that that's there, I want you to share it with me. Imagine for a moment that if I never shared what was truly going on in my life with some of my closest friends, that it stayed at a surface level. For many of us, this is why we have such a problem relating with God, 
Because we show up to church and we don't want to emotionally unload on somebody, right? They're like, hey, how are you doing? And it's like, I don't have time for a 25-minute conversation. And so when we come to God, we don't know how to act because we're so put on. We, we present God with the best of who we think that he wants to see. God, this is, this is who I am. And you start talking in the King James and hithers and thithers and like, oh, thou's, like somehow God's more impressed with you. No, 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 he wants the real you. He knows who you are. He knows how he's created you. But God, listen to me this, this evening, God is not going to bless your version of an avatar. God isn't going to bless the person that you think that he wants to see. So often in our life, I'm presenting myself as the me that I want to be or the me that I want everybody else to see. And instead, God is saying, no, I'm, I want you, Ben. I want you. For many of us, this is the barrier of actually building intimacy with God. And what's funny is this, is that when we come before God, I think, especially for those of us who have been in the church for a while, or maybe, maybe you've been saved for a while, we have this lack of vulnerability with God. We pray safe and calculated prayers because we don't want to offend. God, I, I know that you've got a lot going on. And we treat God like a, a distant uncle. Like, hey, I don't really want to cause you to have any more have any more issues, God, like there's a lot of time that you're taking up. And so what we do is we, we insulate ourselves from disappointment and frustration by our calculated prayers. Can I tell you this evening that I just want to encourage you to dare to be disappointed by God, to pray big, bold prayers. I know it says in the Lord's Prayer, your will be done, but it's not a cop-out to say, hey, I'm going to pray for something, but if your will be done, God. Like somehow I don't have enough faith to actually believe that God can do what he says he's going to do. There's some of you here tonight and you've been praying for healing in your life. You've been praying for a friend that still hasn't come to faith. You're praying for the mended relationship. There's somebody out here and you've prayed for years to be in a relationship to, to find a godly man or a godly woman in your life. And you're like, God, do you even hear me? Where are you, God? And somehow we've sort of shoved those prayers down and said, oh, your, your will be done, God. God wants to hear your frustration. He wants to enter into the disappointment with you. You see, we serve a God that went to a cross and sacrificed himself to have a relationship with you. That he went through the frustration and the disappointment. And he wore it on himself. Friend, you aren't going through this alone. And so often what we do is we present ourselves in such a way where we can't even be disappointed by God. This weekend, we're heading into a conference weekend, and I'm really excited. I think God's going to do some incredible things through you all and through many of the speakers, through the band, through really everybody that's going to be here. But I believe more than just a better worship set a more streamlined production or above average preaching, what we really need is the presence of God. Today, as we prepare our heart, as we prepare ourselves to see the way that God sees, to love the way that God loves, I think that God is calling some of us to step out and say, God, I wanna pray some big, bold prayers. I wanna believe again. I'm gonna come back again and say, God, would you do what only you can do? We need God's presence. So let me give you a couple of steps to develop that intimacy. 
The first step is this. Intimacy is about showing up. How many know that intimacy isn't an accident? Do you know that? Intimacy is not an accident. Like, it has to be developed through some unsexy actions. Like, it is all about commitment, y'all. Like I said, I've been married for, 50, or excuse me, for 13 years to my wife, and what I've found is this, is that when I show up, like, it is not sexy whenever we get together. I've got to, like, have a babysitter. I've got to pay for the babysitter. I gotta get food scheduled. I gotta make sure we get a restaurant. I gotta plan it on the calendar. I gotta make sure her calendar's uh, squared away. I gotta make sure my calendar's squared away. And literally the whole time getting up to that point, I'm sitting there thinking about dollar signs and how much time it's taking just to sit down together to have a conversation. Y'all, that's marriage. But let me tell you this, that the moment that that happens and we make the commitment that we show up and we sit down face to face with one another, I remember why I love my wife. We have these deep conversations where there's not a kid in the background. I remember why I love her. And the intimacy begins to grow. Y'all, when you show up and you meet with God, it's not always gonna be sexy. It's gonna be hard work. Sometimes you're gonna have to wake up at five, six o'clock in the morning and say, God, I'm here. I don't know what you're gonna do today, but I'm asking that you would. It's commitment. Intimacy is about showing up, and intimacy isn't accidental. Secondly, intimacy is time with dad. Have you ever wondered of all the ways that God could have related to us, he relates as a father. Now there's some of you out there that you've had a rough upbringing, and so just the mention of the word father is difficult. But God chooses to relate to us in the image of a father. And I love it because now, as a father myself, one, I can see many times what God was talking about. Just last night, we were having our, our daily, uh, our, our evening devotionals, and we're sitting there, and I put the book down, and we have this time where we do a devotional, and then we pray together. And it's so interesting because my kids just love to be with me. So I get home from work, they show up, we're there, we do the evening, evening deal, and then we sit down for these devos, I'm laying down on the ground, and it's like I'm a beanbag, right? Like, I got one on top of my head, I got another one pulling on my leg, I got the other one throwing stuff at me, and I'm sitting there and like, like Ben in my flesh, I'm like, stop it, leave me alone, right? Quit it, because I'm a broken man, right? Because I'm, I've, got, I've got my own issues. But here are my kids, and they just want to hang on me. Did you know that God... He chooses to be related to as a father for these very reasons, because he wants to be with you. I want you to let that sink in just for a moment. God could have chosen to relate to us in any way, and yet he chooses the word father. Some of us haven't hung on God's neck for a long time. Just saying, God, I'm here. I love you. It's so interesting whenever we see this, that when it comes to intimacy in these terms, I wanna challenge you with this, that if you need to grow in this area, this intimacy with God, I would challenge you to change two things. Number one, change your pace, meaning the pace of life. So if you've got a crazy schedule, get up early. Or maybe you just need to be more disciplined, right? If you've got a pretty open schedule, set a time. So change the place, and then the second one is change the place. Maybe it's hard for you to get out of bed. For me, I love coming up here at like four and five o'clock in the morning and I just walk the halls here at High Street. I pray. 
They give me access, I don't know why, and I just walk around here and I'm praying. And honestly, if you were to show up or you were to watch the video cameras, you'd be like, dude, that guy is crazy. Like, what is he doing? I'm just out there walking with my father. I'm out there having a great time. And for me, just getting out of my house, coming to a different place changes, and this is what happens. When you change the pace and you change the place, you change your perspective. God begins to change my perspective on my day. He begins to change my perspective on maybe some of the things that I'm battling with or I'm wrestling with. So if you want to grow in intimacy with God, spend time with dad. Number three, intimacy isn't earned. There's a lot of us that we wonder if we've sinned, is God going to bring us back in? Is God going to accept us? Like, I would, again, I just use an analogy of my kids, but not one time has one of my kids thought, I just threw a tantrum. I wonder if dad's going to kick me out of the house. He's never thought that, right? Or maybe he's got a bad attitude and like, hey, you're, you're not eating tonight. Like, I'm gonna abuse him in some way. My kids have never once thought that because this is the reason that you are a child by birth. You are not a child by worth. And so often we relate to God based off of how we've done in the last several days. Maybe you're here and your YouVersion Bible app didn't hit five days in a row and now you're stressed. Is God gonna accept me? Maybe some of you are here and you've got some sin in your life and you say, is God even gonna allow me to come into his presence again? Sure, God wants you to change, but you know how we change? It's in God's presence. And so there's this moment where we come into his presence, we humble ourselves and we say, God, here I am again. You are not a child by birth, or excuse me, you are a child by birth, not by worth. Number four, intimacy is a privilege to enjoy. In, um, in the presidency of JFK, he was there in the, the Cuban Missile Crisis. And right during that time, uh, really the fate of the world was in jeopardy. Uh, if you're not familiar with it, basically uh, the Russians and uh, the Americans were in the Cold War. And this little island nation just south of Florida called Cuba, they had been... Uh, ready to receive nuclear warheads, which would then hit the United States. And so, literally, nuclear Armageddon was imminent. And so JFK is there in this meeting room. He's, he's meeting in the Oval Office with people that are deciding the fate of the world. And in comes, and knocking through the doors, knocking through the aides, comes in JFK Jr. Little JFK Jr., he was like three years old. He comes running in, and the decision that needed to be made in that moment, JFK stopped everything, and he picks up his boy and he says, what's going on, buddy? And they begin to play for the next two minutes. Because you know, that's the relationship that you have with God. That you have the ability to walk into the throne room and God stops everything to be with you. That the moment that Jesus died on the cross, it said that he now gives us access, that the veil is torn, that you and I, if we are followers of Jesus, we have a relationship with God that we, at this very moment, you right now in your seat can pray and your prayer is ushered straight to the throne room of God. So often what we do is we negate this fact. Intimacy is this beautiful privilege to enjoy. God is not bothered by your circumstance or situation. Number five, intimacy is modeled from above, not below. Again, I, I just say this, is that one of these areas that for many of us we need to change in our thinking is that your dad, no matter how great or no matter how awful he was, is not God. So your view of God many times is affected by our earthly father. 
Can I just encourage you that your father is meant to reflect God, not the other way around. Even if he was a great father, God is so much better. Finally, the last point is this, is that intimacy takes intentional time. I was referencing earlier that this intentionality, this time together with me and my wife, it isn't always easy. Even after all the scheduling and everything is done, there are many times where we get together and what happens is we get this moment where we get to actually talk. We get to speak to one another. We get to actually talk about the real things of life. And what inevitably happens is each of these date nights where we actually get to spend this time, these pain points in our marriage begin to bubble to the surface. These areas of vision and calling, these big things in life begin to come up to the surface. And what we begin to realize is this, is that it's in these moments, this time together, where we actually get to do the work, the hard work of tilling the ground of intimacy. So often in our culture, we're a fast food culture. We, we want it right now. And we expect our relationships to be the same way. Like, God, I'm here, I'm shown up, I'm ready to receive. But if you've ever gardened, you know that it takes work to cultivate something. It takes work to grow. It takes hard work to pull the weeds out from the garden. Your relationship with God is the same way. That when you intentionally show up, you begin to see these points come to the surface. For many of you, as you begin to spend time with God, God begins to bring areas of sin in your life up. You say, God, I don't know about that. I, don't, I, I, don't, I didn't really come here for that. I was kind of hoping for a prayer request to be answered. God said, yeah, I know. But I want a relationship with you. I love you. And I want you to experience my love. I want you to experience it to the fullest. I'm gonna close with this last thought. And these, I just hope, are an encouragement to you. Because tonight, really what I want us to do is just give us some time to be close with God. And in fact, toward the end here, we're just gonna have some time to pray. Because if I'm honest, and if you're honest, we often don't get that much time. If I were to ask you a question here today, if, if you were to strip away all the Christian stuff in your life, if you were to strip away the beautiful community that God has given us, if you were to strip away the music, if you were to strip away even just your time and the devotional, people that you talk to, all the Christian stuff, in order to ask you, what is your relationship like with God? After it's all stripped away, I wonder what you'd say. See, many of us were afraid of that silence. Many of us are afraid of what does God actually think about me? In 2016, my family and I, we went on an incredible adventure. And we actually left the church here. I was the youth pastor here back in 2016. And we packed up and we left to go to Austin, Texas to go start a church. Didn't know a single person, had no connections, literally knew nobody. Me and my wife and my family of two, or excuse me, of four at the time, we had two kids. We showed up in a U-Haul. And I remember what we begin to do is we begin to ask God, we say, God, would you, would you give us a heart like yours? Because I've experienced you in a radical way. At 26 is when I came to faith. I was, a, I was an atheist prior to that, really questioning Christianity. 
and I met God in a radical way. And we moved to Austin to meet people that way. And at that time, it was hard for me because God placed us in a spot that I didn't necessarily wanted to be. I really wanted to be in the downtown area, right, where the culture was and the people were. And God had placed us on one of the suburbs outside of that. And so I began to pray and I said, God, I really don't want to be here. I don't know if you've ever felt that way about a situation in your life. God, I don't like where I'm at. And so I began to ask him, I said, God, would you, would you work and move? Would you help me to feel the way that you feel? To see the way that you see? To love the way that you love? So me and my wife, we did, we did a prayer and we did a fast. And right at the end of this fast, one evening I was, I was sleeping. And in, again, this is not normative for me. I've had this only one time in my entire life. But God revealed himself to me in a dream. And there in this dream, I noticed that my daughter who is sitting, where is she at? Did they move? She's over here. Oh, there they are in the back. My little girl's there in the back. Wave your hand, Willow. There she is. My little girl, she was just a couple months at the time. And so I have this dream and there she is in her crib and it's like Fort Knox, y'all. Like we got breathing machines and lasers and videos, like nothing's going on in there without us knowing. And in my dream, I, I notice that she's not breathing. And so I pick her up in my arms and I'm holding her and, and as I'm like, I'm, 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 I'm yelling, I'm like, God, do something. And I'm trying to do like mouth to mouth in this dream, trying to figure out how does she get air? How does she breathe? She begins to turn blue. And there in this dream, in my arms, she slowly fades from consciousness. And she dies in my arms. I'm bawling, I'm weeping, I'm crying out to God, like, God, why did you do this? Thankfully, I come out of that dream. And as you can imagine, immediately, I'm like, throw the covers off, right? It's like two in the morning. I'm rushing in to her room. I look over the crib and she's just fine. She's breathing, everything is good. As I walk back into my room, get on the bed, felt the Holy Spirit prompt me. And again, I've never experienced this, but this is the one time that I have. It was not my, it's not an audible voice, but it was not my thoughts. And he said, Ben, the way that you love, the way you have care and compassion for your daughter is the same way that I have compassion and care for these people I've called you to. Your little girl in your arms, Ben, was dying. And these same people that I've called you to, they're dying. You once were dead in sin, Ben, but now you're made alive. Something snapped inside of me as I began to realize that the love of God was that great. That he would not spare his son for me, but would sacrifice his son on the cross so that I might have a relationship with him. That there would be no barrier that would stand between me and intimacy with God. That there would be nothing that would stand in the way from the God of the universe wanting to come down, put on flesh and bone enter into this life to give me life. There's some of you here today and God is speaking. He's saying, would you come back again? Come enter into my presence. Before we do all this stuff for God this next, this next week, 
as we get ready for conference, can I tell you this, that more than what God wants to do in, to do through you, is what God wants to do in you. He wants to show you his love.